Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States opinion in Daniel Rivas Villegas versus Ramon Cortes Luna on petition for writ of certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, decided October 18th, 2021. This is a per curiam opinion, no syllabus, but we're just going to read the whole thing because it's only six pages. Petitioner Daniel Rivas Villegas, a police officer in Union City, California, responded to a 911 call reporting that a woman and her two children were barricaded in a room for fear that respondent Raymond Cortes Luna, the woman's boyfriend, was going to hurt them. After confirming that the family had no way of escaping the house, Rivas Villegas and the other officers present commanded Cortes Luna outside and onto the ground. Officers saw a knife in Cortes Luna's left pocket, while Rivas Villegas and another officer were in the process of removing the knife and handcuffing Cortes Luna, Rivas Villegas briefly placed his knee on the left side of Cortes Luna's back. Cortes Luna later sued under Revised Statute Numbers or Sections 1979, 14 U.S.C. 1983, alleging, as relevant, that Rivas Villegas used excessive force. At issue here is whether Rivas Villegas is entitled to qualified immunity because he did not violate clearly established law. The undisputed facts are as follows. A 911 operator received a call from a crying 12-year-old girl reporting that she, her mother, and her 15-year-old sister had shut themselves into a room at their home because her mother's boyfriend, Cortes Luna, was trying to hurt them and had a chainsaw. The girl told the operator that Cortes Luna was always drinking, had anger issues, was really mad, and was using the chainsaw to break something in the house. Cortes Luna versus Leon, that's um, from California's 9th. A police dispatcher relayed this information along with a description of Cortes Luna in a request for officers to respond. Rivas Filigas heard the broadcast and responded to the scene along with four other officers. The officers spent several minutes observing the home and reported seeing through a window a man matching Cortes Luna's description. One officer asked whether the girl and her family could exit the house. Dispatch responded that they were unable to get out, and confirmed that the 911 operator had heard sawing in the background, and thought that Cortes Luna might be trying to saw down the door. Again, is um, Cortes Luna versus Leon, but that's from the Northern District of California. After receiving this information, Rivas Villegas knocked on the door and stated loudly, Police Department, come to the front door. Union City Police, come to the front door. Another officer yelled, He's coming and has a weapon. A different officer then stated, Use less lethal, referring to a beanbag shotgun. When Rivas Villegas ordered Cortes Luna to drop it, Cortes Luna dropped the weapon, later identified as a metal tool. Rivas Villegas then commanded, Come out, put your hands up, walk towards me. Cortes Luna put his hands up, and Rivas Villegas told him to keep coming. As Cortes Luna walked out of the house and towards the officers, Rivas Villegas said, Stop, get on your knees. Plaintiff stopped, 10 to 11 feet from the officers. Another officer then saw a knife sticking out from the front left pocket of Cortes Luna's pants and shouted, He has a knife in his left pocket knife in his pocket, and directed Cortes Luna 
Don't put your hands down. Hands up. Cortus Luna turned his head towards the instructing officer, but then lowered his head and his hands in contravention of the officer's orders. Another officer twice shot Cortus Luna with a beanbag round from his shotgun, once in the lower stomach and once in the left hip. After the second shot, Cortus Luna raised his hands over his head. The officer shouted for him to get down, which he did. Another officer stated, left pocket, he's got a knife. Rivas Villegas then straddled Cortes Luna. He placed his right foot on the ground next to Cortes Luna's right side, with his right leg bent at the knee. He placed his left knee on the left side of Cortes Luna's back, near where Cortes Luna had a knife in his pocket. He raised both of Cortes Luna's arms up behind his back. Rivas Villegas was in this position for no more than eight seconds before standing up, while continuing to hold Cortes Luna's arms. At that point, another officer who had just removed the knife from Cortes Luna's pocket and tossed it away came and handcuffed Cortes Luna's hands behind his back. Rivas Villegas lifted Cortes Luna up and moved him away from the door. Cortes Luna brought suit under 42 U.S.C. Section 1983, claiming, as relevant here, that Rivas Villegas used excessive force in violation of the Fourth Amendment. The district court granted summary judgment to Rivas Villegas, but the Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit reversed. The Court of Appeals held that Rivas Villegas is not entitled to qualified immunity because existing precedent put him on notice put him on notice that his conduct constituted excessive force. In reaching this conclusion, the Court of Appeals relied solely on Lalandi versus County of Riverside. The court acknowledged that the officers here responded to a more volatile situation than did the officers in Lalandi. Nevertheless, it reasoned both Lalandi and this case involved suspects who were lying face down on the ground and were not resisting either physically or verbally on the on whose back the defendant officer leaned with a knee, causing allegedly significant injury. Judge Collins dissented. As relevant, he argued that the facts of Lalandi are materially distinguishable from this case and are therefore insufficient to have made clear to, the, to every reasonable officer that the force Rivas Villegas used here was excessive. We agree, and therefore reverse even assuming that controlling circuit precedent clearly establishes law for purposes of Section 1983, Lalandi did not give fair notice to Rivas Villegas. He is thus entitled to qualified immunity. Qualified immunity attaches when an officer's conduct does not violate clearly established statutory or constitutional rights of which a reasonable person would have known. That's some White versus Pauli? Internal quotation marks. Oh, yeah. Um, a right is clearly established when it is sufficiently clear that every reasonable official would have understood that what he is doing violates that right. That's uh, Molyneux versus Luna. Uh, although this court's case law does not require a case directly on point for a right to be clearly established, existing precedent must have placed the statutory or constitutional question beyond debate. That's white. This inquiry must be undertaken in light of the specific context of the case, not as a broad general proposition. That's uh, Brousseau, or Brousseau versus Haugen. Um, specific, 
Specificity is especially important in the Fourth Amendment context, where it is sometimes difficult for an officer to determine how the relevant legal doctrine, here excessive force, will apply to the factual situation the officer confronts. It's uh, Molyneux. Where, whether an officer has used excessive force depends on the facts and circumstances of each particular case, including the severity of the crime at issue, whether the suspect poses an immediate threat to the safety of the officers or others, and whether he is actively resisting arrest or attempting to evade arrest by flight. That's uh, Graham versus Connor and Tennessee versus Garner. Uh, Tennessee versus Garner says, where the officer has probable cause to believe that the suspect poses a threat of serious physical harm, either to the officer or to others, it is not constitutionally unreasonable to prevent escape by using deadly force. However, Graham's and Garner's standards are cast at a high level of generality. That's uh, Brousseau. In an obvious case, these standards can clearly establish the answer, even without a body of relevant case law. But this is not an obvious case. Thus, to show a violation of clearly established law, Cortes Luna must identify a case that puts Rivas Villegas on notice that his specific conduct was unlawful. Cortes Luna has not done so. Neither Cortes Luna nor the Court of Appeals identified any Supreme Court case that addresses facts like the ones at issue here. Instead, the Court of Appeals relied solely on its precedent in Lalandi, even assuming that the Circuit Court precedent can clearly establish law for purposes of Section 1983, Lalandi is materially distinguishable and thus does not govern the facts of this case. In Lalandi, officers were responding to a neighbor's complaint that Lalandi had been making too much noise in his apartment. When they knocked on Lalandi's door, he appeared in his underwear and a t-shirt holding a sandwich in his hand. Lalandi testified that after he refused to let the officers enter his home, they did so anyway and informed him he would be arrested for obstruction of justice. One officer then knocked the sandwich from Lalandi's hand and grabbed Lalandi by his ponytail and knocked him backwards towards the ground. After a short scuffle, the officer sprayed Lalandi in the face with pepper spray. At that point, Lalandi ceased resisting, and another officer, while handcuffing Lalandi, deliberately dug his knee into Lalandi's back with a force that caused him long-term, if not permanent, back injury. The situation in Lalandi and the situation at issue here diverge in several respects. Lalandi officers were responding to a mere noise complaint, whereas here they were responding to a serious alleged incident of domestic violence, possibly involving a chainsaw. In addition, Lalandi was unarmed. Cortes Luna, in contrast, had a knife protruding from his left pocket, for which he had just previously appeared to reach. Further, in this case, video evidence shows, and Cortes Luna does not dispute, that Rivas Filigas placed his knee on Cortes Luna for no more than eight seconds, and only on the side of his back near the knife that officers were in the process of retrieving. Lalandi, in contrast, testified that the officer deliberately dug his knee into his back when he had no weapon and had made no threat when approached by police. These facts, considered together in the context of this particular arrest, materially distinguish this case from Lalandi. 
precedent involving similar facts, can help move a case beyond the otherwise hazy borders between excessive and acceptable force, and thereby provide an officer notice that a specific use of force is unlawful. That's um, Casella versus Hughes. On the facts of this case, neither Lalande nor any decision of this court is sufficiently similar. For that reason, we grant Rivas Filigas' petition for certiorari and reverse the Ninth Circuit's determination that Rivas Filigas is not entitled to qualified immunity. It is so ordered. Again, that was a um, per curiam opinion, the whole opinion. That's all they wrote. And if you'd like to support the podcast, support me as I work my way through my second year of law school, support me for a public defender internship this summer, you can find me on uh, Patreon, uh, PayPal, Venmo, and, uh, or you can contact me at rhodesscholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S and the number 80 at gmail.com. Thank you.